Welcome back to Mox Madness. We're going to do them different every time now. Nathan's messing me up. God willing, by now, we'll have had our new uh, intro music. But, yeah. But maybe but, we won't. But we have our own personal. That's, that's our intro. It will be once it's done. Then we won't be sharing it with other people. It's Brian Amsell straight from the heart. Stop that. <laughs> Don't do that ever again. Hey, you were, you remember the last time we did this. We, uh, we... <laughs> We ended on what was about to be a cliff note. Uh, yeah. And if there's one thing I've learned about cliff notes in the last um, three hours sitting in this you closet. Mean footnotes? Huh? Footnotes. What I say. Yeah. Cliff uh-huh. notes. Same thing. <laughs> Might as well be. They're as long. It's the same. Th- I mean, it, it goes on for days at a time. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's. I don't even understand it. So we're gonna we're gonna we're coming back. We're on we're on even page number one hundred. Wretched of the Earth. What? What? And we ended on... We plan on in hour seven of chapter one to finally finish chapter one. It's a good thing this is probably the most important single chapter of theory ever written. I was about to say. it's clearly a long one. I was about to say, because it's getting basically its own own book unto itself. Um, (laughs) But we ended on, the last sentence was, if conditions of work are not modified, centuries will be needed to humanize this world, which has been forced down to animal level by imperial powers. Asterisk. Footnote, certain countries which have benefited by a large European settlement come to independence with houses and wide streets, and they these tend to forget the poverty-stricken, starving hinterland. By the irony of fate, they give the impression by a kind of a complicit silence that their towns are contemporaneous with independence. Mm-hmm. This feels to me, and this may be me trying to personalize it a little too much, kind of feels like what happens with uh, the coasts to those of us here in the fucking uh, mm. middle of this country. Mm. Again, you you mm. you are you look have, down upon the redneck heathens you civilize yes. when you when you, you know, have these big massive cities with big shiny signs and you elect the the liberals to yeah. to do all the right-wing things and send out the cops. To be I sure. have a I have a house in 2019. I don't have internet. In any yeah. meaningful way. Like, yeah. I, I get it through my phone and I can make do, but, like, yeah. the concept of, like, go download this thing, like, requires me to, like, think a couple steps in advance and go do that. Um, I mean, I guess I guess that, that is somewhat what he's saying modernized is, you know, I mean, he's talking about, like, they, they let you know, you know, I mean, having these towns, having these developed you know, uh, markets and, and storefronts and cooperative labor is is... The independence—that's what gives it. You know, what are they going to do without their resources? They can't manufacture. They're they're relegated to agrarian society and mining out resources for the first world, even with their own independence. So he's—it's saying to Fanon, saying like, "Look, that's telling you. You know, that's what independence is: self-sustaining." Think of think of think of Algeria. Think yeah. of think of what exactly. Don't even extrapolate. Think of what he was talking about. A man from Algeria, Algiers. What you know, the the Camus. You think Camus is thinking about the peasants and the, the, the poverty out in rural Algeria? No. no. No, he's thinking of the cosmopolitan kind of city mm-hmm. he lives in and the Frenchified version of it mm-hmm. that it is. That's, mm-hmm. that's just, that is his nature of it, and it, it, it leads to you, and, and you're going to disassociate from the actual struggle that is going on within your own country. Yes. And that is... Something that anyone who lives in the Midwest, in Appalachia, in in any of these areas of the U.S. 
especially it, it, people in the black belt. You know, I mean, how many times do you see the the coastal liberals look at the black belt with the the largest density black population, the harshest? I mean, they're still a cent, they're not technically Jim Crow laws, but if you look at if you look at the the welfare states being so barren, the privatization, the the right wing policies of the states that make up the black belt, it's essentially still Jim Crow laws. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Republicans own it. You know, the 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 Mitch McConnell world inside the USA, and they look at that and they go, "Ha, that's what those stupid assholes get for voting Republican." You know, I mean, it, you're right. It's the same thing. You know, it's it it, it's 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 the camus within America. Let's focus for a hot second on the state of Kentucky. Mm, okay. Every state gets two senators. Oh boy. They okay. send two people forward yeah. to represent them in Congress. Yeah. Okay. Kentucky sent Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul. It's not a good lineup. Yeah. Not a good lineup. That ain't it, Chief. That's no, not a good lineup. Don't say that ain't it, Chief. Like I'm saying it. I said it. I said it. God damn it. The truth is. That we ought not to accept these conditions. We should flatly refuse the situation to which the Western countries wish to condemn us. Colonialism and imperialism have not paid their score when they withdraw their flags and their police force from our territories. For centuries, the capitalists have behaved in the underdeveloped world like nothing more than war criminals. Okay, um, I I, want to keep going, but I'm going to stop for a second. They haven't stopped when they've withdrawn their flags. They've treated mm-hmm. us for years as nothing. They've acted like nothing more than war criminals. Mm-hmm. Look at what we keep doing to the Middle East yeah. roughly once a decade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or every couple. Now we figured out that we just never have to stop. We yeah, can, no, it's they figured out now. They figured out eternal war is a thing that they could do. But It's called the Patriot Act. It's just it's just super. U- it's super useful. But if you constantly re-engage a country every time, 20 or so years in a major conflict that consumes them in total war kind of might prevent them from ever making any meaningful steps forward because they're constantly mm. having to, you know, fight for their lives. And against... then maybe, would, would that, are you implying that would be a nefarious way to make them dependent on the World Bank and IMF and let capitalists mine their resources? Mm. Are you Are you saying... That the U.S. government and state, specifically the State Department and military, may not be on the up and up? Are you implying that, Nathan? David, don't you support our troops? David. You don't support the troops, Nathan? David, David, the sarcasm is my bit. The, 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 the sarcasm sounding as earnestness is my bit. And I, quite frankly, am offended. This is, this is the equivalent. This is blackface for my, my bit is what it is. <laughs> You you're doing Justin Trudeau. You're Justin oh, Trudeauing my bit. Did you see he's actually putting out quotes mm-hmm. that said there may there may be I can't say that there aren't more images of me mm-hmm. out there in blackface in my videos. And it's like no, no, no. Uh, we kinda guessed that dude. His argument was I apologize. You know I go a little bit overboard with my costumes. <laughs> God damn. I'm a little and bit of a costume enthusiast. Nothing if you will. nothing tells you what liberal priorities is too when indigenous populations for years have been correctly pointing out that Trudeau genocides indigenous people for oil pipelines and any business that that wants to win and silence Uh, puts on a costume. Now, give me. Th- there's some serious harm in wearing blackface. Let's not act like it's a harm. Brown face. Same. Brown same, face. Same thing. But he puts on a costume. Holy fuck, the world's going to end. 
it kind of tells me that, that, you know, I mean, it's the same. All they care about is civility. you got to do the civility. Nathan. Shout out to our girls in the North, Dumb Bitch Media. How y'all doing? Mm. Colin Trudeau offers shit from, from, from way back downtown. Mm. Good calls. Mm. Good calls. All right. But no, we, I, I mean, I had this, I mean, we, again, we were like two sentences in, but again, if this just bleeds... Oh, but America doesn't do colonialism anymore. Yeah, 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 we do. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. God damn it, Nathan! Deportations, massacres, forced labor, and slavery have been the main methods used by capitalism to increase its wealth, its gold or diamond reserves, and to establish its power. God damn, Fanon! Like, let up for a second. Like, it's all. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Not long ago, Nazism transformed the whole of Europe into a veritable colony. The governments of the various European nations called for reparations and demanded the restitution in kind and money of the wealth which had been stolen from them. Cultural treasures, pictures, sculptures, and stained glass have been given back to their owners. Yeah, a footnote. I mean, museums that withhold things that belong to the Middle East because, woo, you get to see the, the cool artifact. Send those back to where they the, fucking belong. The, the British, yeah, the, the entire British Museum is yeah. a giant colonial, like, yeah. snapshot. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> The governments of various European nations called for reparations. They've been given back to their owners. There was only one slogan in the mouths of Europeans on the morrow of 1945 V-Day. Germany must pay! Er mm-hmm. Andenor, it must be said, at the opening of the Eichmann trial and in the name of the German people, asked once more for forgiveness from the Jewish people. Er Andenor has renewed the promise of his people to go on paying the state of Israel. Oh, why? Guys, this is a new thing I've been trying where I, uh, I'm i actually just reading it live. Um, and that's going to result in me eventually breaking down because I'm going to read something that's going to hurt <laughs> my brain. And this is this is where that happens. Uh, er Andenor has renewed the promise of his people to go on paying the state of Israel the enormous sums which are supposed to be compensation for the crime of the Nazis. He did use the word supposed to be, Nathan. Don't think Footnote! Aware. Don't think Fanon is unaware of Palestine when he's from Algeria. Footnote! It is true that Germany has not paid all her reparations. The indemnities imposed on the vanquished nation have not been claimed in full, for the injured nations have included Germany in their anti-communist system of defense. Boo. Yeah. Yeah. Boo. This same preoccupation is the permanent motivation of the colonialist countries when they try to obtain from their former colonies, if not their inclusion in the Western system, at least military bases and enclaves. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. On the other hand, they have decided unanimously to forget their demands for the sake of NATO strategy and to pressure the free world. Preserve the free world. And free world, uh, obviously, being like, he uses lowercase, but capital F, capital W, trademark free world. And we have seen Germany receiving floods of dollars and machines. West Germany. West Germany. A Germany once more standing on its feet, strong and powerful, was a necessity for the Western camp. It was in the understood interest of so-called free Europe to have a prosperous and reconstructed Germany, which would be capable of serving as a first rampart against the eventual Red Hordes, capital R, Red. Germany has made admirable use of the European crisis. At the same time, the United States and other European states feel a legitimate bitterness when confronted with this Germany. Yesterday at their feet, which today only meets out to them 
cutthroat competition in the economic field. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're mad they didn't do Versailles 2 Electric Boogaloo and absolutely cri- they didn't get to absolutely cripple Germany this time around because they needed her as a buffer state against those they damn knew, commies. Yeah, I mean, they, they had to put Germany in its place for competitive reasons and because it colonial, colonialized Europe too much. But in the end... You know, what they did, and then he kind of touched on this before the footnote, supposedly for all their crimes to pay back to the Jews, they flooded in Israel. Hey, Germany, go fund this settler colony for us to control the Middle East. Go go right to the diamond mines and do that. And uh, by the way, we're going to put you back into power because we know World War II was really between you and the Soviet Union. And we kind of had to put you back in your place again, just like the World War I thing. But we really want you to be the side that wins. That's what the West did. That's what the West did. That's what Operation Paperclip was. That's what NATO is. That's why when the U.S. barely came in and helped and got a participation award at the end, when France didn't do shit but get their ass kicked in World War II, when it was really only Britain who didn't do that much and was over genociding India right before, and the Soviet Union who actually did all the defeating, and yet Germany got divided four ways, and coincidentally three out of the four are against the Soviet Union and didn't make Nazism illegal... You know, that, that is what really happened. And Fanon broke it down incredibly well. And of course, and he ties it back. This is, he's so good at tying back where, you know, I mean, socialism isn't just this this white idea. It's not something where the third world needs to get involved in the Cold War or needs to be expected of by anyone in the first world, anyone white. That's ridiculous. But it does does favor socialism and does understand how socialism and and decolonization tie together. Germany didn't pay a goddamn reparation to third world, didn't pay anything to the global south. No one paid anything to the global south. That war was fought all over North Africa. Storm and Norman, baby! Yeah. Come on! Came up with a cool nickname. <laughs> it's a panzer shit. I don't know. I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing. In the same way, we must say that the imperialist states would make a great mistake and commit an unspeakable injustice if they contend themselves with withdrawing from our soil the military cohorts and the administrative and managerial services whose function it was to discover the wealth of the country, to extract it, and to send it off to the mother countries. We are not blinded by the moral reparation of the national independence, nor are we fed by it. The wealth of the imperial countries is our wealth, too. On the universal plane, this affirmation, you must be sure, should on no account be taken to signify that we feel ourselves affected by the creation of the Western arts or techniques. For in a very concrete way, Europe has stuffed herself inordinately with the golden raw materials of the colonial countries, Latin America, China, and Africa. From all of these continents under whose eyes Europe today raises up her tower of opulence, here has flawed out for centuries towards that same European diamonds and oil, silk and cotton, wood and exotic products. Europe is literally the creation of the third world. The wealth which smothers her is that which was stolen from the underdeveloped people. The ports of Holland, the docks of Bordeaux and Liverpool were specialized with the black slave trade and owe their renown to millions of deported slaves. So when we hear the head of a European state declare that his hand on his heart that he must come to the aid of the poor and developed countries, we do not tremble with gratitude. Quite the contrary, we say to ourselves, it's just a reparation which will be paid to us. Nor will we acquiesce in the help of the underdeveloped countries for being a program of sisters of charity. This help should be the ratification of a double realization. 
the realization that by colonized people that it is their due and the realization that the capital's powers that in fact they must pay. For in the lack of intelligence, we don't speak of lack of gratitude, the capitalist countries refuse to pay, then the relentless dialectic of their own system will smother them. It is fact that young nations do not attract much private capital. There are many reasons which explain and render legitimate this reserve on the part of the monopolies. As soon as, and monopolies again, just like Lenin talked about in imperialism. Yeah. As soon as the capitalists know, and of course they are the first to know, that their government is getting ready to decolonize, they hasten to withdraw all their capital from the colony in question. The spectacular flight of capital is one of the most constant phenomena of decolonization. It's it's just when those right wingers go like, hey, yeah, uh, yeah, you spike up taxes and go socialist, and all the big corporations will run away, you know. And it's like, fuck, of course, okay, we know that. We don't want to be lorded over by them, you know. And they'll leave us to starve. They'll try to choke us out. I mean, that's and when it doesn't work, they make sanctions to try to manually do that. It doesn't fucking matter. It's not going to stop the cause. Never. You know, it, the cause may lose a battle and even lose a country in that battle, as does occasionally, unfortunately, happen. But the cause does not die, and many of those countries survive. That being said, footnote! Oh, God damn it. Okay, I, you're not going to get by them. As To this point, the best mic drops have been in the footnotes, so we're reading all of them. <laughs> footnote back at They Must Pay. To make a radical difference between the building up of socialism in Europe and our relations with the third world, as if our only relations with it were external ones, is whether we know it or not to set the pace for the distribution of the colonial inheritance over and above the liberation of the underdeveloped countries. It is to wish to build up a luxury socialism mm, upon the fruits of imperialist robbery. Mm, as if inside the gang. The swag is more or less shared out equally, and even a little bit of it is given to the poor in the form of charity, since it's been forgotten that they were the people it was stolen from, uh, which was written in To Die for De Gaulle uh, in, in 1960. Yeah, um, To Die for De Gaulle sounds like a pretty good book, because that is something, the whole reason we're reading Fanon, this is something some first world, quote-unquote leftists or quote-unquote socialists, really need to fucking hear. You know, you can't just keep stealing from the third world and then doing your fully automated luxury whatever the fuck, you know? No. No. You have to pay the reparations. You have to get the equal redistribution. I mean, it's... (sighs) Socialism is very democratic, okay? And the overwhelming majority of the world is lorded over by capitalists. And we can't just give the section to the most minute comfortable section of people that have been lorded over by capitalists. We have to give it to everyone that's been lorded over by capitalists. And that includes paying reparations and giving back the, what was stolen from the global south as they are the most, the largest populations and they're the most heavily exploited. Almost always. Yep. Private companies, when asked to invest in independent countries, lay down conditions which are shown in practice to be inacceptable or unrealizable. Faithful to the principles of immediate returns, which is theirs as soon as they go, quote-unquote, overseas, the capitalists are very chary concerning all long-term investments. They are unamiable and often openly hostile to the prospective programs of planning laid down by the young teams which form the new government. 
At a pinch, they willingly agree to lend money to the young states, but only on condition that this money is used to buy manufactured products and machines. In other words, that it serves to keep the factories in the mother country going. It's almost like he's describing World Bank and the IMF. Oh, my God. (laughs) In fact, the cautiousness of the Western financial groups may be explained by their fear of taking any risk. They also demand political stability and calm social climate, which are impossible to obtain when account is taken of the appalling state of the population as a whole immediately after the independence. Therefore, vainly looking for some guarantee which the former colony cannot give, they insist on garrisons being maintained or the inclusion of the young state in military or economic packs. The private companies put pressure on their own governments to at least set up a military, at least set up military bases in the countries for the purpose of assuring the protection of their interests. Again, IMF and World Bank are in the U.S. U.S. has over 800 foreign military bases. The entire rest of the world in total has 30. Yeah. The private companies put pressure on their own governments to at least set up military bases in this country countries for the purpose of assuring the protection of their interests. The last resort, these companies ask their government to guarantee the investments which they decide to make in such and such an underdeveloped region. It happens that few countries fulfill the conditions demanded by the trusts and monopolies. Thus, capital, failing to find a safe outlet, remains blocked in Europe and is frozen. It is all the more frozen because the capitalists refuse to invest in their own countries. The returns in this case are, in fact, negligible, and treasury control is the despair of even the boldest spirits. In the long run, the situation is catastrophic. Capital no longer circulates, (laughs) or else its circulation is considerably diminished. In spite of the huge sum swallowed up by military budgets, (laughs) oh, Fanon, if you only knew, international (laughs) capitalism is is in desperate straits. But another danger threatens it as well, insofar as the third world is in fact abandoned and condemned to regression, or at least to stagnation, by the selfishness and wickedness of Western nations. The underdeveloped peoples will decide to continue their evolution inside a collective autarkery. Autarkery? Autarkery. Thus, the Western industries will quickly be deprived of their overseas markets. The machines will pile up their products in the warehouses, and a merciless struggle will ensue on the European market between the trusts and the financial groups. The closing of factories, the paying off of workers, and unemployment will force the European working class to engage in an open struggle against the capitalist regime. Then, the monopolies will realize that their true interests lie in giving aid to the underdeveloped countries. Unstinted aid, with not too many conditions. So we see that the young nations of the third world are wrong in trying to make up to the capitalist countries. We are strong in our own right and in the justice of our point of view. We ought, on the contrary, to emphasize and explain to the capitalist countries that the fundamental problem of our time is not the struggle between the socialist regime and them. The Cold War must be ended, for it leads nowhere. Guys, spoil it. It didn't lead anywhere. It did lead somewhere. It led to the, the, the collapse of the USSR, and that was super great. Nothing bad came out of that, guys. We got Pizza Hut. <laughs> Pizza Hut and Gorbachev. <laughs> the plans for nuclearizing the world must stop, and large-scale investments and technical aid must be given to underdeveloped regions. The fate of the world depends on the answer that is given to this question. Imagine for not writing about this and knowing about global warming. I can't. I can't. 
Did we talk about my child calling Gorbachev the pizza man? <laughs> Was that on the podcast or not? We talk. I know for a fact we talked about my my sweet collection of uh, of yeah. Soviet leader Matryoshka dolls yeah, on the he podcast. Called, he called the Matryoshka. But my Gorbachev my child Gorbachev. runs around with because I the the Gorbachev and the Yeltsin one, as far as I'm concerned, should have been smashed to pieces. But my child, child uses plays things my child uses him as a pen. Well, he uses Yeltsin's ass as a pencil holder. So like the bottom ass of Yeltsin's a pencil. The top ass of Yeltsin, I don't know where the fuck it went off to, and that's fine with me. Um, but but Gorbachev, he keeps intact and runs around with, and keeps calling the pizza man because I introduced him as the the guy that likes Pizza Hut a lot. Um, so that, and as far as I'm concerned, that is the lasting legacy of Mikhail Gorbachev. So fuck if I'm concerned, that's that's canon as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but as far as as that last, you know paragraph right oh uh, we're talking about the book again yeah i mean you know where it's you could see exactly where this ties into lenin's imperialism and why it was important to read lenin's imperialism before this because you kind of get the monopolies and their reinvestment you also get a little bit and this is where fanon is saying don't suck up the capitalist countries don't kiss their ass uh he's got a little bit of a almost like some third worldism going on there and the third worldism is saying, you know, part of it is not just winning independence from the capitalist countries. It's winning independence and then telling them to get fucked. Yeah, no, pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, and he's very clear about that. Uh, so back to Vanon. Moreover, the capitalist regime must not try to enlist the aid of the socialist regime over the fate of Europe in the face of the starving multitudes of colored peoples. The exploit of colonial Gargarin doesn't seem to displease General de Gaulle for it is not a triumph which brings er, for it is is it not a triumph that brings honor to Europe for some time past the statesmen of the capitalist countries have adopted an equivocal attitude towards the Soviet Union after having un united all their forces to abolish a socialist regime they now realize that they have to reckon with it and for a time they did but then they they went all full fucking cold war so they look as pleasant as they can. They make all kinds of advances, and they remind the Soviet people the whole time that they belong to Europe. Please, please remember your whiteness. Remember, Soviet Union, stop being this this partly in Asia country that's decolonial. Please, ignore the Georgians. Uh, they will not manage to divide the progressive forces, which mean to lead mankind towards happiness by brandishing the threat of a third world, which is rising like the tide to swallow up all Europe. The third world does not mean to organize a great crusade of hunger against the whole of Europe. What it expects from those who for centuries have kept it in slavery is that they will help it to rehabilitate mankind and make man victorious everywhere once and for all. But it is clear that we are not so naive as to think that this will come about with the cooperation and the goodwill of European governments. The huge task which consists of reintroducing mankind into the world, the whole of mankind, will be carried out with the indispensable help of the European peoples who themselves must realize that in the past they have often joined the ranks of our common masters where colonial questions were concerned. To achieve this, the European peoples must first decide to wake up and shake them themselves, use their brains, and stop paying the playing the stupid game of the sleeping beauty. And it and and, and spoiler alert before we even start, that is that that's the chapter, end that of is, chapter one. Yeah. We have we have now concluded on uh, on violence, concerning violence, 
I, I think on violence somehow feels better. It feels it, first off, this is we know the good at it, both from how weird it was to read yours and from some feedback we got someone about how the other copy was yeah, a little Trotskyist. Mine's by Trots. But also when you say on violence, I like it, but it sounds it sounds like it belongs to Mao that way. I get that, but this, I almost this like translation that. has concern. Well, I mean, Fanon certainly has some third worldism to him. Concerning violence versus on violence feels like the guy that's trying to like pad his re- essay and like, man, I gotta up the fonts. I gotta. Fu- all right, all right. Let's take the ons and make them concerning's. <laughs> that bought me like three quarters of a page. We're on it. Let's uh, go. No, no. Mao knew what it was on. The topic. This is on the topic of violence. Seven hours into the chapter, we're oh. still debating the title. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what else do we have at this point? I got nothing. No. The, I and genuinely, I think this is a, a, a. Because is the book done? No. No. But no. is this while? I mean, this is widely considered of all of Fanon's work. That chapter. That. 60, 70 pages yeah. is, is, is... That's the core of Fanon's work. Yeah. If you had to read anything, you read that. Yeah. So I think it's worth kind of going back over that a yeah. little bit just to kind of recap what, yeah. what the hell did we just do? Sure. I mean, we walked through and we kind of talked about how... I mean, the first thing was that the the global south gets dehumanized. Get the colonized people are dehumanized. They're not even thought of as the same species. And everything is dispossessed of them by violence, to the point where they're only taught violence. Imagine imagine a dog and all you do all day is beat it. Okay? That's horrible, that's abusive, but let's imagine you do that. Because let's not act like we're talking about colonized people. Let's not act like that's gentle or nice. So we can talk about hitting of a dog. Let's say you abuse that dog all day. That dog's gonna bite. That dog's gonna fucking bite Would because you, it needs to in, defend In the itself. words of the is that guy, dog wrong to bite the hand that strikes it? In in, in the in in the words of famous guy that didn't beat Rick DeSantis, guy that ran for governor of Florida, <laughs> hit dog go holla. <laughs> hit that that guy Andrew Gillum was it Andrew Gillum I think it was Andrew. I Gillum. never heard that phrase. If I. It was like a huge thing in, in during the, the uh, I don't 2018. Know. I know it he was, was Rick, going all like full fascist. Andrew Gillum, Andrew Gillum was trying to paint Rick DeSantis as the fascist that he was, and DeSantis got all butthurt about being called a fascist because all of his supporters are fascists, and it's not his fault that his supporters are fascist. And and Andrew Gillum used some folksy colloquialism. Well, Grandma did say, you know, a hit dog go to holler. <laughs> and uh, and and it was it was good. It was all woo, yes, queen. And then and then he started doing his um, you know anti-communist Lo- shit. losing Florida because yeah. and losing Florida. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Managing to lose to Rick to fucking Santos. Yeah. yeah, fuck Florida. <laughs> Burn that goddamn state to the ground. Um, no, it, it, and yeah, it, it's it, it is very. Again, because I don't, I don't want to lose this in in the no. whole scope of the book. But it, it, that it, if that does not convince you, I don't, I don't know what else there is. One that the revolution is going to be violent. Yeah. Um. Because while Fanon was directly addressing 
you know, you could read this in the West with some version of mm-hmm. of of separation of distance. You say, well, okay. I agree with that when it comes to the colonized countries, but well, that's not how it's going to happen here. You know, we're not, we're, you know, this isn't a colonized. So you can kind of try and separate yourself from the work in a certain point. But as we've been pointing out throughout this whole chapter, the United States is absolutely a settler colony. Just 100%. Yeah. We're we're subdivided into different versions of it and different levels of it. So not only were the Imperial Corps the central imperial power that terrorized the global south. But within our own borders, the entire thing is a, a genocidal settler colony where you have the layer of indigenous people who have been and not as wiped off as the narrative says. And we need to remember they're still around they're and, still and deserve their land back, uh, but have been largely wiped off uh, the, the uh, uh, well, we'll just say Turtle Island, I'm going to say the continent, but uh, I guess our, our, the countries in the whole continent, although Canada's been just as bad. So sure, the continent. Uh, you also have the the enslaved descent or the descendants of slaves from Africa, you know, making up a huge chunk of the population. And then you have immigrants. And we're talking, again, not the European immigrants that came over that were a, a second wave of settlers, even if they're a little more perverse or uh Poverty and, and discrimination. We're talking about we're talking the Italians about... or the Irish or the Germans. Yeah, we're not. We're not talking because about... you cannot be racist towards those groups. <laughs> we're not talking about the. We're talking about uh, the. You know the Mexican immigrants, whether they are descendants of indigenous people whose land was robbed away in the the Texarkana area, um, or people that just came up from you know poverty in Mexico. We're talking about the people you know in from Honduras or Syria or Guatemala or somewhere else we've terrorized where we sent them running for their lives and come in, you know, so there's, there's three layers of colonized people here. You know, this is very, very much a settler colonial nation. Serbia and army. I mean, yeah, I mean, because even, yeah, even among the, the, from Europe, when I say that, I don't mean Eastern Europe, the Yugoslavia and and everybody that got traveled because those immigrants too, you know? Yeah. I mean, those 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 are colonized people. And they get, they get forgotten about. I, they get forgotten about. Our, yeah, Slavic, our Slavic friends that, get, get that whole very region, forgotten about. That whole region, with the exception of when Yugoslavia existed, which was a boon to to, to fighting this off, have Born been. Tito. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Miss Miss some Tito in this world, um, but uh, that other than that span of time, those people have been the colonized people. Of, of Europe, very much so, you know, along the lines of Romani people and Jewish people, except sectioned off into one area, you know, actually having like an, a national ground um, to it, you know. There's a reason balkanization is a word. Yes. There's a reason we can use that as a verb. Yes, because that was done to the Balkan state. Yeah, and the Balkans over and over. You know, it was balkanization before the U.S. did it, and it was balkanization when the U.S. did it to topple Yugoslavia. It was it was balkanization all the way, and when they united as Yugoslavia, Yuga, it, it, you know, same thing as like Sigma and t- same, the mm-hmm. whole, right? Yugoslav, the, the area of all Slavs. That was the only break from it. And with Yugoslavia toppled, you know, people from those regions and from the rising, running away from the rising fascism and the rising poverty in those areas that come to the United States, those are also colonized people. And you ask, well, David, but they came to America. So obviously <laughs> they they believe in the American dream and the American yeah. idea. This is, and I'm not putting one, anyone on blast on this, but the first time... Uh, it was it was unique to talk to someone from a a, a colonized area. Um, it, it, when when you know talking to a, a person who had immigrated here from Serbia, yeah, and 
Yeah, I mean, and for people who don't know the current countries, you know, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Serbia. Um, I'm trying to think what else is there that was former Yugoslavia. Um, Bosnia, Serbia, Herzegovina. Uh, fuck Kosovo, but there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, God, I think there's like seven or eight different countries that were there, and I can't think of all of them right now. Uh, but anyway, back back on subject, just so people know when we're saying Serbia uh, interchangeably with what we're talking about with Yugoslavia. So you knew someone Serbian. No, from from Serbia and and talking to them, I mean, they were uh, old enough and alive to remember Clinton bombing the shit out of them. They mm-hmm. remember people they knew dying. Yeah. Um, they remember their father serving in the Serbian army because everyone over the age of 18 was serving in the Serbian army at that time. Mm-hmm. And yet they lived here. They they emigrated here within the last two years. Mm-hmm. Why why did you come here? Well, I couldn't get into Germany. Was the first answer. Yeah, and and the second answer was uh, the U.S. isn't going to bomb itself, so I'm far yeah. less likely to die here than I am to die at home. Yeah, I mean, and we've said that before. You know, people people go, oh, why don't why don't you move there if you like it so much? And it's kind of a twofold thing. First off, to let everyone else here die under your fascist boot, fuck off. I'm going to stay in the appeal court. I'm going to fight you. And that's the most important answer to me. But the second one is, you know, I say this is a horrible, horrible, evil construct. And the construct and the problem is, is that we have the gun pointed at colonized people. The answer is not to go run in front of the gun unless you're running in front in some way that's going to save someone else's life. And I'm sorry, just moving to a colonized country is not going to do that. Okay. Um, So, yeah, of course, in the meantime, I'm going to stay behind the back of the gun. That's the more desirable place to be. Yeah. Recognizing the, the, the fact that under any sort of colonization... You're 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 not going to liberate yourself. You're not going to free yourself without at least a reciprocal level of violence. Mm-hmm. Is is something that you that that is a a a Rubicon that you're going to need to cross at some point if you want to if you're going to genuinely be useful for for what's going to come or if you're going to at least be prepared for what's going to come because if you think there is a diplomatic or, or you're going to solve it from the inside or some electoral version of of gaining your humanity back or or fuck your humanity humanity for 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 the oppressed people and the colonized people in this country that that have not had a voice or, or have never been given a voice if you think that's going to happen without some variant of violence Against a system that has only established itself on generations of violence, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what comforting thing to tell you. You need to get past that. You you need to find whatever motivates you enough to get beyond that because this is kind of the magnum opus of how you're not going to fight colonialism without matching colonialism Mm -hmm. and colonialism is a system inherently violent. Yeah. And then even then too, going back over since we're reviewing the chapter a little bit, um, the violence itself, we talk about the violence that was exerted on the colonized people that is exerted on the colonized people. And it's not just the straight up bloodshed, which will have to be reciprocally matched by the colonized people to decolonize them. 
Uh, but there's other layers of things, you know, when he talks about rhythm and witchcraft and, you know, these are in the spirits. He's not like just trying to be all trippy or, or he's talking about the cultures that are erased and how that's a form of violence. And that's the first type of violence that meets these colonized people along with being faced with the gun, you know, and then he goes on to the international scale. Once you pull colonizers out, what happens? Well, all of a sudden, you know, all of this infrastructure that they had imported in and that they've kept you from making your own infrastructure or setting up your own even agrarian society with this own sustainable system, they made you route everything to their own personal resource extraction. They built up all this infrastructure, all these capital, all these machines and factories and investments and, and anything like that, right? And they poured it all in there. And all of a sudden, you decolonize and they pull out everything that moves, you know, maybe they can't bring out a dam, but they'll probably bomb that shit anyway, <laughs> but they're going to take all their machines and stuff out. Now you're left hard and dry, high and dry, and you're starving. And then they want to give you a loan. And then if they give you a loan, you better do what they say. And, you know, all imperialism happening exactly as Lenin described it, even when these countries have their own, you know, quote unquote, independence, right? That's another form of violence of controlling them. And they have to, again, you know, I'll bring up Thomas Sankara, they have to be self-sustaining, bring up the vertical farms in Cuba against the blockade. They have to be self-sustaining where they can reject that and they have to suffer and work even more than they want to, even more than they deserve to have to, to get there. And that's that's the hard part is... It, and, and so it very much is a form of violence when you make them suffer to get there. That's... And that's exactly, yeah, the sanctions... Because we... And and with yeah, I mean something this book wasn't even privy to that get there on its own, and why we mention sanctions as an act of warfare. When you don't allow them to bring in insulin, when you don't allow them to bring in enough food, when you withhold their gold that they use to buy the supplies for their people to feed and house their people, and you cause inflation to try to choke out their economy, just like in Venezuela and Syria and, and Iran, and then you say, Well, you know, these people are dying or they're poor or suffering. Well, of course, you've killed them with sanctions. Yeah. It's that you pulled out all your capital, you flipped them the bird, and then they were doing it on their own, and you went, oh shit, they found other trade partners. I gotta choke them out. Mm-hmm. You know? And sanctions very much are an embargo or a blockade based around the US dollar's fiat control of the world economy. Yes. That's what a sanction is. For anyone who's not familiar with the word or kind of has an idea but doesn't quite get it, uh, the world is pretty well run by the U.S. dollar. It's been that way since under Nixon. It's been that way since before Nixon, but it's been that way since under Nixon. Explicitly without, kind of Yeah, like Nixon. the gold, the gold factor in that was just removed. And it was just straight up the U.S. dollar. That's why countries leaving off the U.S. dollar is such a threat to the U.S. That's why the U.S. is in a huge panic about Russia and China right now. That's why the U.S. had to topple Libya. You know, that's when you start coming off the U.S. Because Libya was talking about Africa having their own currency. That's why the U.S., it really needs the European Union to uphold its Western control and its NATO allies. But it's also simultaneously antagonistic to the EU because... They don't use the dollar. Yeah, they don't use the dollar. They have the euro for the entire continent. For right now, the euro is subservient to the dollar. But the second the euro is not, that's a big threat. And that's a lot of countries that just go away in a snap. So the U.S. has kind of got this, like, contradictory love-hate for the EU. And you can see it where, like, the liberals adore the EU and the Republicans, you know, and the the, the Trump 
fascists reject it, you know, and you can kind of see that play out. That's that's the partisanship that you see. Well, you... Trump fascists also invested a lot in gold because Alex yeah. Jones told them to, so they're not as much worried about the U.S. dollar. <laughs> They've got a lot of gold. But when the U.S. leverages that fiat currency and world trade going through the U.S. dollar as made more explicit and made not backed by gold under since Nixon... They use that to create an embargo and a blockade without physically blockading and without a formal embargo, but just saying, hey, this country can't trade these things. They have to make it themselves. That country clearly does not have the resources to do that. They can't make insulin with what comes out of the ground in that region. You know, that's 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 called a sanction. And sanctions are an act of war that kills people. And if you and that's it's a formalized thing in this country very much. I mean, there is literally. I mean, OFAC exists, the the Office of Foreign Asset Controls yeah. I, exists explicitly to tell individuals who they can and cannot send money to, mm-hmm. who you are and are not allowed to support. And there are lists of, of countries where if I want to send money to, I cannot, if I wanted to send money to the DPRK right now. Can't do it. No, cannot wire the DPRK money. Not an option. Just can't do it. Can't do it. Can't open an account if you're opening a business in the DPRK. Uh, uh, The Crimea. Mm -hmm. I cannot open a bank account in the Crimea. I cannot wire money to the Crimean region as it is defined. Um, And that list changes from time to time. But then they'll do things like place. They're not Venezuela. Venezuela itself is not listed. In, in OFAC. It, it is not on the, the, the controlled list where if I wanted to send money to Venezuela, I'm not outright banned from that. What I am outright banned for is selling money or sending money to anything that benefits Venezuelan state-owned enterprises mm-hmm. or any enterprises considered controlled or operated by Nicolas Maduro. Yeah. You have to so send it basically like everything. Yeah, basically, if you can squeak through money to Venezuela somehow, you're giving it to an opposition leader. If you, the only person that you were allowed to send money to in Venezuela Juan, Juan. through the is Juan. <laughs> yeah, God damn it, you shortcutted me. Yeah, they worded it exactly so that like the only person that can get money is like Juan, and, that, and that's and really, it. Really, Juan's a, a puppet. I cannot remember the guy who uh, he actually orchestrated the original coup. And he's a huge business owner there, and he just. Got house arrested for something. I cannot. I normally know these names. Rupert Murdoch. No. Guy in fucking Venezuela. Jeff Bezos. Uh, but anyway, I can't remember right now. Bill um, Gates. But, uh, but anyway, I mean, Guaido is very much his puppet as much as he's the U.S.'s puppet. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the people that you can send the money to, but not to like, uh, uh, I can't think of the acronym for the oil company that actually owns, like all of Sitco's profits in the U.S. are being withheld by the U.S. But Sitco, or like but that? Sitco is actually owned by Venezuela's oil company. Um, they're just, they can't see any profits from it right now because of the sanctions because they turn around and they use that money to feed the people. So Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And so, yeah, I mean, and that's something they tell you, too. They're like, hey, we got to do sanctions. This is our peaceful way of defeating the government. So our peaceful way of defeating the government is making sure that nobody in Syria can have insulin. So well, that anyone, anyone in Syria with diabetes can die. Yeah, you, you, you remember you know, when you... make sure that nobody, in, that some amount of the poor people in Venezuela can't have food or medicine. You, you went to history class. You remember when, you know, cities were under siege or blockaded. Yeah. We just changed the terms and the way we did it. Yeah. 
We didn't change the, the outcome. The outcome is the same. Slowly starving a country of its resources and its ability to fight back or resist you mm-hmm. until you win the war of attrition and they concede to whatever terms you give them. Yeah. Period. It's just that, the end of the That's day. exactly what a sanction is. So, yep. Man, that was way more depressing than I wanted to end it. <laughs> but it was a good chapter. It was a... Oh, okay, here's, here's the was exciting a, thing. It was a long chapter. Here's, here's the exciting thing. Here's the exciting thing. How many people... How many people have said Maduro or Assad will be out by such and such time or out of power that have been gotten their asses fired from Trump's cabinet Uh, and Maduro and Assad are still chilling in charge? He will will carry on unto infinity so what so when I, I always I always like to try and try and date these to give you an idea of when we're when we're coming out um uh the 25th would have been episode five okay uh October 2nd would have been episode six of chapter one so this you are listening to on October the 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a very, very relevant date, I've been told, because it is uh, it is Yom Kippur. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's ha- very shout out, shout out to our Jewish, shout out to our Jewish, Jewish comrades. comrades. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Pearls of the Minion. Hello, how y'all doing? Uh, what yeah. y'all, what y'all up to? But yeah, so uh, so just so you know, if you if you hear us again prior to then, we haven't recorded since then. Yeah. So if like the revolution kicked off, we'll probably do a special episode, but just we, nothing else happened. So you're hearing this one on the ninth. <laughs> That's when it is. Uh, David, anything anything else for the cause? Uh, nothing else for now. Until uh, October. Yeah. Sixteenth. Bye. Bye. <laughs>